Welcome to the Social Pod, a podcast brought to you by Socknet 98, a network of universities sharing the common interest for social work in an international perspective. In our episodes, you will hear from students around the world studying social work and interviews and lectures from our international university weeks. <laughs> and in this episode, we are um, here with uh, one lecturer and two students that has just been in a workshop. And they are going to talk a little bit about that workshop and what they learned from that workshop. And as I started, um, oh my God, I, I don't know the name of the workshop. Rocio, can you give an introduction to the workshop first? What's okay. the name of the workshop? So the name of the workshop is Client Collaboration Within Forensic Settings. And we primarily focus on learning about the uh, forensic population in the United States, primarily in the state of California, yeah. and then learning uh, some engagement techniques on how to work with the clients. Let's just, the forensic population, what does, who is that? So the forensic population is um, the population that gets mental health services within the prison system or has interactions with the law. So it is inmates. Yes, inmates and then also parolees, so people coming out of the prison. Yeah, and who, then we can go thank you for, for that introduction. And you are, you held, that, held this workshop. Yes, so my name is Rocio Garcia and I'm a professor at the California State University, Dominguez Hills. Yeah. And we have two students that just went to the same workshop. Can you introduce yourself, please? Uh, yeah, I'm Vanessa, and I'm from Jena uh, in Germany. And I study social work at Applied Science University. Yeah. And also? Hi, I'm Finn. Uh, I also study social work at an Applied Science University, but uh, the one in Bremen in northern Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And my name is Steiner Wikolt. I'm an associate professor at the University of Southeast in Norway, and I did not attend this workshop. So I'm very, very much uh, looking forward to hearing about it. Uh, Rocio, can you just, could you try to summarize it in any way? Is that possible? Yes, um, I'll do my best. So um, in the workshop, we just talked about how um, in the 1960s, when the United States decided to closed down a lot of the mental health hospitals, the mentally ill population uh, ended up unfortunately in the prison system. Yeah. And um, due to the high number of inmates that had mental health issues, um, there was a lawsuit in the state of California. Um, it was Coleman versus Newsom. And uh, through that lawsuit, uh, they were able to advocate to get mental health services inside of the prison and then also as they're coming out of prison and are on parole. So we talked about the difficulties in terms of the population and the different layers that involves working with this population, and then also a couple of techniques on how to best work with the population. Okay, yeah. And what was the big things that you now, half an hour later, what, 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 what did you get from the workshop? Uh, I think it's very impressive to see how it works in in the US, because the prison system in Germany is a bit different, we are more of rehabilitation people and less of uh, punish people because of the victim they do. And to see um, how social worker works with these people in this um, strict system is very interesting. Mm. I also found it interesting um, that in the US, um, social workers are with the um, 
with the white license are allowed to to diagnose uh, people oh, yeah. which is uh, kind of unimaginable in uh, germany you know uh, these are two different tasks that are strictly separated and uh, psychiatrists and social workers work together so that was another interesting aspect of the workshop yeah yeah and it was interesting for me too to learn uh, about that because i I think I just automatically assume that, um, you know, with being a social worker uh, here in Europe, that you would be engaged in the diagnostic aspect of the clients. But yeah, in the United States, we, you know, after we complete our hours, our clinical hours, and we pass two tests, and we obtain our license, we are able to diagnose the uh, clients. Yeah. And like in Norway, I'm, I'm not, I'm a social worker, and mm -hmm. I also have a master's, but I'm not allowed to diagnose at mm -hmm. all very different yeah so this is the stuff i love about these kind of international workshops that was not one of the points of the workshop it wasn't <laughs> it's the added bonus when yeah. you started starting discussing things yes because when i started saying you know when we were uh we went through vignettes at the beginning so like um stories about uh, a client yeah. and uh when i when someone mentioned like psychotic symptoms and i said yeah you know like uh he probably is psychotic uh, one of the uh participants in the workshop said oh no we're not allowed to diagnose oh, as yeah. social workers so i was like oh i was like but i am <laughs> i'm able to do that in the united states so yeah. it was interesting to to learn that uh even as me being the facilitator and the difference between um, the the similar profession, but the different um, approaches that we have. Yeah. What What do you think about the discussions or what uh, the other students were asking about? Is, is there anything that you find uh, found uh, fascinating that you learned? Well, we really digged into the details. I think, um, for example. Um, Everyone was shocked when uh, when he said that um, in in quotation marks regular inmates don't get any kind of uh, mental health support, which is also kind of unimaginable. Um, oh, I lost my track. <laughs> it's kind of unimaginable. But, but why is it in unimaginable? It's of course because like in our own country, apparently they do get that. For example, in Norway. That is one of the things that you do get in prison. You do, of course, get your time to go see a therapist. or Even if you don't have a diagnosis, like a mental health diagnosis? I would think so, yeah. Okay. I, I'm not an expert on the topic in Norway, but I would believe so. It okay. would be but kind of inhumane not to <laughs> allow someone actually to talk to someone if you're having problems. But then again, you see um, the picture you brought with these uh, three-level bunk beds. And yes. it doesn't surprise you so much anymore because uh, these prisons, your prisons used to be so overcrowded. And I guess they are still, even though they released a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So these these resources are very short, I imagine, social workers. Right? Yes, it's very limited. You know, there was a point where... Um, I had barely started in my career and I think I had 170 inmates on my caseload. So it was a huge um, caseload uh, in terms of being responsible for all of them. But um, yeah, you know, uh, the population has decreased significantly, but it's still high. And like you mentioned, we have very like limited resources. Yeah. 
So you do see some difference also by the the you 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 talked about this punishing uh, versus um, rehabilitation view. Uh, Rocio, you have been to Norway and seen some of the differences. Uh, yes, it was, it, you know, uh, at the beginning of the workshop, we talked about a client, you know, we called him Mr. Smith. And um, I asked uh, the people in the audience what they would, how they would interact with the client. And it was interesting to see that one of um, the participants said that, you know, they would talk to him and that they would, um, you know, offer him tea or coffee. And then I was like, that's so unimaginable. Like, I would never <laughs> offer tea or coffee to one of the clients. Yeah. In a forensic setting yeah. yeah so just it was clear to see like the difference and like the boundaries but i remember when i uh, visited norway and in the parole office um, that i was able to go to um, the social workers that were there were friendly yeah. with the parolees and were offering them coffee when they yeah. walked into the office so huge difference in terms of the dynamics yeah um what you told about the american prison system or forensic uh, context system, it sounded like um, any kind of humanity, seeing them as humans, mm -hmm. is um, an indi individual choice of the social workers. So, um, and this this is a theme I encounter a lot whenever I, I talk to practicing social workers who work in difficult systems, um, that they I mean, you talked about a lot about your frustration about the system and uh, I met others who are very frustrated, but um, make the choice for themselves to still see their clients as humans. Mm -hmm. So you, you talked um, about, I think it was your one of your first internships uh, when when people asked you, well, did you read the files and you still want to work with these people? And you said, yes, I do. I, I read all about it. And uh, yeah. So yes, yeah, sometimes it could be, you know, challenging because uh, we all carry our own biases uh, about things and we all have our own judgments. But I think that I always try to remember that at the end of the day, they're still clients. And I try to see them from the perspective of um, they still need the assistance. They still need the help uh, that they need to get. So I don't focus on their criminal behavior. They've already gone through the court system. They already had their sentence. You know, so my role, I see it specifically as there to help. So I don't focus on the criminal aspect of it. But yeah, you know, a lot of people there, like the correctional officers and um, parole agents sometimes, um, can focus too much probably on the criminal aspect mm -hmm. yeah because i think that might be a um, difference of how you think about the inmates uh, I, I think like in norway uh, the inmates thinks more towards the that the people working there are actually there to help them yeah it's the people that is locking you in but it's also the good guys because this is the guys that actually can help you they look after you they care about you uh, but so so there's a different way of looking upon the people that is working also in the prison so that's why you do not need to be as strict if you start being strict then the inmates will rebel against you also so maybe this kind of power is a little bit shifted uh, so also the inmates um, feel more like humans like real humans with values even though yes you need to be inside of that <laughs> that room that setting yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah so why kind of working with the inmates you know 
some sort of way, I think. Yeah. Was there anything else that you uh, thought about during the workshop? Um, it's it's uh, it was completely very interesting, and there are so many points um, that was shocking. Uh, mostly the the free beds and the the, mm. the he stuffed it into the gym because then no uh, rooms left for them and I don't believe that this is the best way to deal with it because when they go out after their um, after their parole or yeah, yeah the time being you know, uh, yeah and then they do it again or they come in systems back where they just live like that yeah yeah, and you know that's the problem that I see a lot with our system that we have kind of like that revolving door. Like they go out and then they come back in. They go out and they come back in, and that's one of the the things that we really try to focus on as um, social workers working with the clients and um, decreasing the recidivism, like the in and out of like the prison system. But again, you know, sometimes I think the lack of resources um, makes it very difficult on also the clients and to be able to fully gain the rehabilitation to be able to go back into society and um you know do what he or she needs to do so yeah maybe it's the tradition of uh, uh, your system so you as a social worker uh, behave normal with these guys and then they go back to their rooms and the prisoner uh, the, the uh, officers uh don't behave like this and so they the um the work that you do uh fail, falls down because of that what they do yeah you know it, it it's a challenge because uh again finn i think you mentioned you know like everybody focuses on their own personal views in terms of how they interact with the clients you know i come from the perspective i'm there to help i'm there to like assist them and other different um, people uh, in there have a different view in terms of um, how they're going to interact with them. And then there's also, like uh, you mentioned, Steiner, the power struggle. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, a lot of different dynamics come into play on working with this population. And, and one thing I also think about is like in Norway, you cannot be sentenced for more than 21 years. That's a maximum sentence. Because that actually has the argument that we should have a maximum sentence is that, but what if you give people life in prison? That sentence. Uh, what? Why would you actually care what you do inside the prison? Because you know you're going to be there forever. So you never will have this hope or, or of getting out. And also when you have a longer sentences, it's uh, it, why should you think about rehabilitation? I'm not going to be stuck here for the next 10 years. Yeah. You have any thoughts about that? Yes. You know, when I was um, working actually inside of the prisons, I saw that a lot when people went in and had the life uh, with the possibility of parole. Yeah. The whole aspect of life just took over them and made them completely hopeless. So the first probably 10 years that they were in prison, they didn't care. You know, no. they were, you know, they were just like, well, forget it. Like, we're just going to continue doing bad things or wrong things. And they were engaged um, in a lot of like negative behavior, assaults, um, you know, having contraband. 
But um, after like the 10 years, you kind of start seeing a shift. And this is when they start recognizing that they're getting older. And this is when they start reflecting on the fact that, oh, maybe I should pay attention to the second part of my sentence, which was with the possibility of parole, you know? So this is when they actually start trying to talk to like social workers and trying to work on, you know, preparing to go to the board and to see if they can possibly get out in the future. But I was privileged enough to work with a couple of um, inmates that work on their, uh, you know, work on themselves, really like did the internal work that they needed to do and actually ended up getting a date and, and being able to get out of prison. So to me, even though our system can be negative at times that was very rewarding as a social worker being in there you know being able to follow the client and see the change and the shift and then finally being able to get a date to be able to get out of prison yeah but 10 years what a time span (laughs) um you you earlier you talked about how you earn um the trust and the respect Mm -hmm. of the people you work with and uh by just constantly being professional with them and around them and uh, can you name a time span that it takes to to earn the respect i think you know um anywhere between i mean if these were clients that i was seeing consistently i would say like between three to six months Mm -hmm. like you know they started seeing like okay you know Miss um, Garcia is, you know, someone that's going to follow through on what she says that she's going to do. But then she's also someone that we shouldn't mess with, you know, yeah. like so I I was very clear in terms of like the boundaries. They knew I was there to help, but they also knew like, you know, don't push your boundaries with me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's it, again, it's being able to hold like that those two like opposing views you know like how can you be empathetic and how can you want to help people but then still have these like rigid boundaries but it's the fact that this is how it works inside of that system you know they get to see the fact that i follow through on my promises to them like if i say hey yeah i'm gonna get get you that paperwork or i'm gonna help you with like uh you know finding housing before you get out of prison if i follow through on that then they learn to respect my word respect my work that i do versus you know someone that doesn't follow through with what they do so they were able to see the aspect of where i cared and where i took my job seriously um and then also the aspect of i also follow the rules because i know the environment that we work in and i think that applies on all um areas of social work to never make empty promises because you just definitely entirely um like under under dig is that a word in english uh, to, to <laughs> you you erode your authority yeah. maybe you you just um, break undermine. it undermine undermine thank you. okay yeah um i was also um i found it yeah very interesting um the way you described um how you practice boundaries like when when someone says hey what a nice set and you reply well you know you're not supposed to tell me that i i compared that to my work when i work i work with children and and uh teenagers and uh, if they say said something like that i would say well thank you and uh, not not be too flattered about it because that's also showing weakness but i would just uh accept it and uh, i also engage with them um in more private talks mm-hmm. i always have a boundary but it's 
way softer than yours. But then again, I guess it's these it's the infamous uh, prison rules, right? So yes, once you show a weakness. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the population, you know, like uh, we talked about all the different layers that come like with this population and there's a lot of like manipulation and a lot of things that can happen once they see or once they label you as being someone weak, right? So I totally get it. You know, I've also done work with um, children and it's a different spin that I have and it's a different approach that I have uh, with um, children and adolescents, but it's it's completely different in terms of um the setting in terms of forensics and prisons and things like that you just had a workshop now i think it was like 40 people in the workshop mm -hmm. how the reaction you're getting is kind of not very positive towards the american prison system how how will you how it's kind of personal maybe how do you feel about uh, telling people about your work and people is reacting so negative about it, like in shock um i think that I'm just, um, I expected that reaction yeah. just because we're so different. And, you know, I shared um, while doing the workshop that even though I, I do work for the system, I am part of the system, I do recognize our shortcomings yeah. and I do recognize where we can improve and we can do uh, a lot of things better. So that's my hope, you know, that at one point hopefully in my lifetime we get to see the shift in terms of um, the culture that we have in our prison system and we really get to focus on the rehabilitation aspect yeah. so i'm hopeful but we'll see yeah. but uh, thank you so much for actually uh, taking the time to having the workshop also because it's uh, really um, good knowledge for social work students here in Europe also to to get to know more about it and hearing it live from someone that is actually working there. So thank you so much, uh, all of you, for being in this podcast episode. And I hope that the listeners also found it interesting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the invitation and uh, thank you for the workshop. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>